Is that not powerful? It's very important. That you are able to measure. I said what? It's important you are able to measure the effectiveness of your Christian life. The effectiveness of your spiritual life as a Christian. You're able to measure, for instance, you're able to measure how much of God's word that you have in your spirit. How much of God's word? Now, you're able to measure how much effective you are in your prayer life as a Christian. Are you writing it down? You are able to measure how much of God's word that you are practicing. How much of God's word am I practicing? These are keys for 2022, true or false. So you measure how much of God's word that you are putting to work. How much do I know? How much am I putting to work? You should even be able to measure your desire. Your desire for God's word. Your desire. Am I still desirous of God's word? Do I desire to be spiritual? Is that not powerful? Do I desire to pray? Am I increasing in my prayer life? Am I increasing in my prayer life? Is that not important? Am I increasing in my spiritual life? Am I increasing in knowledge? Because there is a room for increase in knowledge. There is a room for increase in knowledge. The knowledge of God's word. So it's not just about what you know. But how you have increased in what you know. Did you hear what I said? So that it's not just about what you know. But what you, how you have increased in what you know. In the word of God. If you don't put these things into practice, if you don't measure your spiritual life, the effectiveness of your prayer life, the effectiveness, even your givings in the church, am I improving in my givings? Am I the same way I used to be from 2021 to 2022? Are you, are you getting what I'm saying? If you are not increasing, if you are not measuring your spiritual life, your Christian life, your Christian life or your spiritual life will become stagnant, become static. You will not be enthused about church. You will not be enthused about
about the word. You will not feel you miss something when you miss church. Or you miss something when you miss the word. Or you've missed something because you've not been praying. You wouldn't feel it. Why? Because you're not measuring your spiritual life. It is only when you are measuring your spiritual life that you can know whether you are increasing or you are stagnant. Whoever I just said there. You heard that shout glory. glory. So 2022, make up your mind you are going to measure your spiritual life. Yes, Why you didn't like fasting? But every week you fast once a day. Did you hear what I said? Yes, then the next two months you begin to fast twice in a day. Why you didn't like praying? But then, you begin to love praying. Why you spend some time, 30 minutes, and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost within a day or thrice within a week. Then you move. You are measuring your growth. Because you see, the blessing of the Lord cannot be granted to the one who is canal. No. No. The Bible says, cast not your pearls before the swine. Did you hear what I said? Yes, sir. It means don't give your treasure to a pig. Why? Because he will trample on it and spoil it and make it dirty. True or false? That is the principle of God. That's God's mind. So many Christians do not have access, even though they are blessed, born again and blessed, but do not have access to some of the things that the Bible says belongs to them, or the Word of God says belongs to them. Many Christians, because they are living a churchy kind of Christianity, a churchy kind of Christianity. Many Christians are nonchalant. They are nonchalant. Many Christians, many Christians are nonchalant. Not moved by nothing spiritual. Kennedy Hagen said something, the great man of God. He said, even if Jesus was to come into the streets and walk on the streets, many would still see him and never recognize him. Many Christians. And that's true. How many opportunities have we missed because we were not spiritual? Did you hear what I said? Because we are not spiritual. So it's important, it's very important that every Christian must learn to measure the effectiveness of their Christian life. Within a week, you must know whether you've been praying. As I speak, if you've been praying the whole of last week, you prayed, you know. If you've been Going for the word, you know. If you've also not learned anything throughout the month, the month of January, you learned nothing. February, you've learned something. All that you are doing is, yes, yes, Jesus, have mercy on me. Grant me this. Grant me that. Grant me this. Grant me this. Malagadosh. Is that not powerful? You know. 
You know, 90% of Christians pray. 90% of Christians pray out of ignorance. Out of ignorance. 90% of Christians. God will not cast his pearls, his precious things to the swine. No, he will not. He will not. And it's important that in our studies of God's word, we realize that, especially in the writings of Paul, are we moving? Who caught what I just said right now? This is a message on its own. True or false? I said true or false? Measure. Look as I said the person, measure your spiritual life. Measure it. I said tell the person, measure the effectiveness of your Christian life. Measure the effectiveness of your Christian life. It's very important. Don't just be jumping from place to place, church to church, uh, whatever to whatever. No. Prayer meetings with prayer meetings and all of that. Measure the effectiveness of your Christian life. It's very important. Measure it. Decide to. Start this time. Start today. Start when? Start when? Today, this week, start. How many hours do you spend listening to messages like this one? Is that not powerful? Because when your spiritual life or your Christian life is effective, your life will naturally take an upward turn to be natural. When your spiritual life or your Christian life is very effective, naturally, you see yourself move upward and forward. You may not, you will not need to be prayed for. Did you hear what I said? You will not need to be prayed for. When your spiritual life is effective, when your Christian life is effective, you see your life move upward and forward. Your life will move upward and forward. Naturally. The struggles that you see in between. Struggling to get a new job. Struggling to get financial. Struggling to get this. Struggling to... It will just turn around by itself. Why? Because the more effective you, have, you are spiritually and effective as a, Christian, as a Christian person, as a Christian, the more effective your spiritual life is or your Christian life is, the more effective it is, the more of God that you know. Write it down. It's very important. Write it down. The more of God that you know. Or it means that you know much of God. Or you come to be an acquaintance. You move beyond where you say, I'm born again, I'm a child of God, to when you have that kind of relationship that is active. What I call participative relationship. Amen. Amen. And once you have that, then it means that the Spirit of the Lord is concerned about whatever you do. He becomes automatically concerned, practically, Concerned about what you need, concerned about what you do, concerned about the provisions, concerned 
about everything that you do. What you need is for the Spirit of God to be so concerned about you. Is he concerned about all of us? Yes. I'm talking about active concern. I'm talking about when, because of your spiritual life, you and the Holy Spirit, or you and God, you've come to know God. And God has come to know you. You are known of him. Paul says that, that we are known of him. So you are not just one of the Christians. No. In the sight of God, you are known of him. It's not just, you are not just an ordinary Christian who goes to church. Oh, I'm born again. I'm, in a, I'm a Presbyterian. I'm a Methodist. I'm a this. No. But you position yourself in a way that the Spirit of the Lord knows you personally and relates with you personally. When that happens, a lot of the things you have to be praying about will be granted you without the prayers. Did you hear what I said? When that happens, you will be able to exercise your rights in Christ and see the results. Who is following what I'm saying here? You exercise your rights in Christ because you have rights. Shout powerful man of God. Is that not powerful? That is important to learn. You may not be able to learn the Bible by yourself. But that is why we have messages for you. That's why we teach. You can come to church and prophesy and pray for people and just go home. Is that not powerful? Just expounded on it. He told them, says, you people are slow of heart to believe the gospel. They were slow of heart. When a Christian is slow of heart, it means that that Christian can't comprehend the scriptures. That is why Paul prayed to the church in Ephesians. Chapter 1 verse 17 says that, he says that, I pray that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened. So that the spirit of wisdom and the revelation, the knowledge of Christ, that spirit of wisdom, will be granted us. Is that a powerful Come on, shout glory, shout glory. You see, so it's very important for Jesus to do that to the disciples and for Paul to come and then pray for that spirit to be given, to be at work in the church. In Ephesians, then goes to the Colossian church also and writes to them that he's praying for them, for them to work in understanding. It shows you how important that is. Lift up your right hand. So I'm working in the understanding of God's word. Says I'm walking in the understanding of God's word. Say it again. Say I'm walking in the understanding of God's word. I'm walking in the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Say the spirit of wisdom and revelation is at work in my spirit. Is that not powerful? So you see, you come to realize that in most of Paul's writings, I've said this before, that it's not everything. That Paul wrote, or that was that's written in the Bible, that the Christian can practice. 
There are things written in the scriptures for certain reasons. Now, in the same way, when you talk about the epistles that the apostles wrote, like uh, Paul wrote, like Peter wrote, like John wrote, so the epistles, because the epistles actually exp- explain to us this generation. It becomes very simple like that. Is that not true, Pastor Obed? Come on, shout, awesome man of God. Say, powerful man of God. So, the epistles of Paul inform us about these things. Now, why is this important? Because you see, in our, I've said it before, let me just say that there is a way to read the scriptures. There's a way to read the scriptures. You should read the scriptures with the, from the perspective of the New Testament. You read the whole Bible. If you are reading the Bible, even if you are reading the Old Testament, wherever you are reading, you should be able to read it with the perspective, from the perspective of the New Testament as a Christian. The, if an Old Testament man was reading the entire scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, then he would have to read it from the perspective of the Old Covenant. Listen to me very carefully so that you don't miss it. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? Or your mind has gone to your husband. Come on, shout glory. So, it's very important. I said that if, you are, if somebody is reading the Bible, an Old Testament person, should be able, we would, they wouldn't would be able to read it now, but if they, they could be able to read the entire Bible from Genesis R to the epistles, then they would be reading from the perspective of the Old Testament. So he will be seeing all that he's seen from the Old Testament perspective. That is the Old Testament man. Why? Because that is, what he, that is where he was born in. That is the dispensation he came to meet. So if you call Elijah right now to ask him about Jesus Christ, Elijah will explain Jesus Christ from the Old Testament perspective. If you call Moses or Joshua, they will explain, or Aaron, they will explain the whole Bible living into the New Testament from the perspective of the Old Testament. Because that was what they knew. Look at what I just said there. Now, Stated differently, if the Christian is also to read the Bible, which we have the Bible and we have access, the Christian, us, we are supposed to read the Bible from the perspective of the New Testament. Because that is our dispensation. So I've said it before that you read the Bible with an understanding of the differences in dispensations. The dispensational differences. Maybe did you get what I said? We are in the dispensation of grace. The Old Testament man was in the dispensation of the law. Who caught what I just said? So if Aaron, Moses' brother, is to explain the scriptures to us, he will explain it from the perspective of the law. Now, if we also want a proper interpretation of scriptures we say i i the christian i have to do that from the perspective of the new testament you hear what i said so you are reading the entire bible with an understanding of the new testament because until you do that that is the reason why people say there are diversities in explanations of scriptures and all of that this is the reason because not many ministers understand this thing 
we have just been taught generally that the Bible is just for Christians. So read any part of the Bible. In fact, start reading from Psalms. So start reading from uh, Exodus. Start, you understand? So we just start reading. And so many, you see many saying, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says. Yet what they are saying is wrong. Not because they are quoting wrongly, but because they are misinterpreting what they are saying. Well, what I just said. So I said that the epistles informs us about the first man. You see it in the epistles. Paul talked about that. You see him talking about uh, the first Adam, the last Adam. And all that. You see all of those things in the epistles. You also see Moses. And all of that. Paul informs us about that. Then Paul also in his epistles informs us about the second Adam and his generation. Oh, have I just said there? If you heard that shout, powerful man of God. Why are these things, clarifications, very important? They are very important. When you finish, you must give me a seat for this. Is that not powerful, dog? Will you give me a seat for that? Very powerful. It's very important. Why? Because when a student or a preacher or a teacher does not understand that Paul informs us about these three things in his epistles, that person will misinterpret the scriptures. Because you wouldn't know when you are being informed about the Jews and the covenant that God had with them. And you wouldn't also know when you are being informed about, the, about Adam, that's the first Adam, and what transpired with him and his generation. You wouldn't know. <laughs> is that not powerful? I said, is that not powerful? You wouldn't know. Because you even have to know the writings. Who is the writings to? Being brought in oneness with God. Now, why do I say all of these things that I'm saying? Because many people just say, the Bible say, the Bible say, but it's not everything written in the Bible. Everything written in the Bible is true. It's for the Christian. It's true. The Christian has to know it for certain reasons, which I can't explain today. But it's not everything written in the Bible that is for the Christian to practice. Write it down. That's what I talked about, the dispensations. It's not everything written in the Bible that is for the Christian to practice. So it matters which, and I'll be, I'll be throughout, I'll be explaining to you why you should follow certain men of God. Or why you say this person is my man of God and you follow through. Not follow kota kota. Today this person is your man of God. Your father is your man of God. The next day is your brother that is your man of God because he started a church. Then the next day is your uncle who started a ministry that is your man of God. Then the next day is Pastor Prince that is your man of God. You don't know what you are talking about. You will be confused. The more you are confused in knowledge, the more you are your life will be a confused life. Is that not true? That's why the scripture says God is not an author of confusion. Once you get confused in knowledge, you get confused throughout. Oh, that is the truth. You see what people do on the social media, some pastors and all that, because they are confused. And they face confused children who are sitting down watching. <laughs> and they are doing things that shows that they are really confused. Is that not true? You didn't get what I said. 
When you see somebody say, my mother will give me a petrol to drink or a kerosene to drink that he has anointed it and all that. Or give me a candle to go and burn it, a red candle when I burn it, all the witches. They are the man of God who is giving, in quote, a man of So everything that is written in the scripture that is for the Christian, in the Bible that is for the Christian to practice. That's why I say you read the entire Bible from the perspective of the New Testament. An Old Testament man will read the entire Bible from the perspective of the Old Testament. Did you hear what I said? Because you read, like last week when I was explaining on blessing, the Bible says Abraham raised an altar somewhere. You see the old, the patriarchs, even before the Old Testament. Shall I explain that one too? The pre-Old Testament. The pre-Old Testament is before Moses was given the law. That's the pre-Old Testament. So even you talk about the Old Testament books, all the, <laughs> whoever I just said, we talk about the Old Testament books. You see, but that is not the Old Testament. The Old Testament, Old Testament begins when Moses was given the law and the blood was sprinkled on the law. That was when the Old Testament begins at once. But before Moses came, Enoch was there, true or false? Noah was there, true or false? That is pre-Old Testament. It's pre, it's before the Old Testament. But if you don't catch this, just stay with what I'm teaching so that you don't get... Uh, what do you call it? So I'm catching it, so I'm catching it, I'm catching it. So you see Abraham raised an altar and made certain sacrifices. You see the patriarchs raising altars. Whenever God did something big or they had a visitation or something, like Jacob raised an altar. Amen. Altars were raised. Now, in the New Testament, we don't raise altars like that. Why? But is it written in the Bible that altars were raised? Yes. So if you don't have a proper interpretation of the Bible, you teach your church members to raise altars everywhere. So wherever you go and you get a seed or you get a visitation or you get a dream, you just raise an altar there and sacrifice something there. You read through the Bible and you understand also, for instance, I'm just giving some of the things in the scriptures, that watch you in adultery, we will stone you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? According to the law, you have to be stoned. I'm not talking about like, like you've caught it. Have you ever seen a thief being, being stoned or, 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 or beaten and all that? Have you ever seen some before? That is the same way. When we catch you and we bring you, we take stones. We just stone you to death. Well, do we do that today? Why? That's why people say the Bible is confusing and all. No. It's because people don't understand the changes in dispensations. They don't understand what was written to who and why. One day Jesus was asked that is divorce good? What was his answer? He says, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart. So, the bill of divorcement was given by God in the Old Testament not because God wanted to, but because the people's hearts were hardened. I don't know whether you caught what I just said there. Differences in dispensations affecting what is written in the scriptures. <laughs> and that, must, that also affects our... So every good teacher must be able to know these differences. And know, know the differences and the correspondences. So that the, your interpretation will not affect those hearing. 
The Lord has sought you and has found you and has made you his own. Now, whoever I just said there. Yeah, did you hear what I said? So it's very important that we understand some of these things. They, are, they, 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 are, they look like technicalities. That's not true. You understand some of these things. It affects your understanding. It affects the way you move. You can't feel condemned no matter what. You can't feel little no matter what. You can't see yourself as a nobody because of your family background. You have, you, have, you have moved beyond that in your mind. You have moved beyond that in your spirit. You've moved beyond it. You are seeing yourself from an angle of Abraham. <laughs> Come on, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Whoever I just said there. So it's important we know who Paul is talking to. Why he's saying that at that time. We know the differences and the correspondences of the Old Testament and even in the New Testament. This is a time of reformation. Amen. This is the day of salvation. He calls this day the day of salvation. So somebody can just take Joel for instance. In the last day I will pour my spirit upon all flesh. Or until the spirit be poured from on high. And the wilderness becomes a, a fruitful field. And the fruitful field becomes a forest. And says that let us pray that the spirit will be poured from on high. Let us pray. And you see church falls. Father let your spirit be poured from on high. You understand? Why? Because he's coming from a different angle. He still, he still doesn't understand what has happened in the New Testament. Fred, did you get what I'm saying? So most of the things we are talking about under the Spirit before, in the last day he will pour his Spirit upon all flesh. We are praying that God will pour his Spirit upon all flesh. Quoting from Joel and bringing it in. It is true. It's in the Bible. But when you are coming from the perspective of the New Testament, you know that has happened. Whoever <laughs> I just said. So the person who knows that has an advantage because while people are now asking for it, he is working with that person. Whoever I said. You are working with the person of the Holy Ghost. You know the Holy Ghost is inside of you and you are working with him. You are working with him and working with him. I'm working with the Holy Ghost. I'm working with the Holy Ghost. I do not make mistakes. I'm working with the Holy Ghost. The other person is saying, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. 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 The other one says, oh, when we go to heaven, there shall be no weeping. There shall be no mourning. There shall be no sickness. Let us strive to get to heaven. The one who is coming from the perspective of the New Testament says that, oh, the Bible even says in the epistles, I'm a citizen of heaven. Did you hear that? Who is saying what I'm saying right now? We are hearing shout glory. So you see the differences. So one will be saying, oh, we are going to get to heaven. Let us strive to get there. You don't know, we, we will go through things and all of that and say all kinds of things. We will, in heaven, there is, no weep, there is no weeping. There is no mourning. There is no sickness. No disease. Is that not true? 
The one who is coming from the perspective of the New Testament says that the mechanism for health has been given. I said what? The mechanism for health is in your spirit right now. So, these are, these are things we must know and take advantage of. This is how we Christians must walk in the understanding of scriptures. That is the reason why there is a lot of, uh, what do we call it? Somebody just says, I'm a prophet, a prophet, then he carries a, a rod somewhere. Say, even Moses held the rod. And holds the rod. Moses held the rod. The people are arguing, in this generation, oh, forget the generation. The Bible says we should hold God. If I put this rod on you, you give birth to twins. Is that not true? We will see a lot of that. A lot. You see people running. Ah, as he put a rod on me, my business break through. Is that not true? I've broken through. Ah, as he put a rod on me, I've become like this. This is the rod of uh, Moses. God revealed to me, to me in my dream. So do you agree with what I'm saying? So that is the truth. Is that not the truth? That's what is happening. Why? Where is the person coming from? Where is the person coming from? So that is the problem in the church now. But those of us who are here and Christians who can learn, who are willing to learn, say willingness to learn, we will know when a person is holding a rod that we don't need the rod of Moses now. No, Do you need the rod of Moses? No, <laughs> I said, Do you need the rod of Moses now? No, don't need the rod of Moses. Maladoko Shotopoya. The rod is in your mouth. Ah. The rod is the word of God. Yes, I said, What? So the more of the word you have, the more of the word you have. So instead of touching people with God, we release the word. It works. It's the word. You see people holding sword. They say it's simple. They are holding sword. Where is the sword? You say with this sword we will kill the enemies. They are still thinking about Joshua and those people. But you see the truth of the matter is that in this dispensation, even angels are learning of us. They are learning from us. That's what the scripture says. In Ephesians chapter 3, we'll go there. They are learning from us. It shows you the accuracy of knowledge that has been granted the church. Such that angels and principalities are learning of us. They are learning. So some of us are confusing angels. With the kind of knowledge we are demonstrating. The angels are I'm learning of you. Look at what has happened. You've confused the angel. Go to Ephesians chapter 10. Let me show you that scripture right now. <laughs> ah, come on, shout glory. Go to Ephesians chapter 3. Go to verse 6. Let's start from verse 6. Some of us are confusing the angels. Today we say this, the next day we say something else. <laughs> Go to verse 7. I want to get it on point like this. Go to verse 8. Is this not powerful? Go to verse 9. Verse 10. 
his intent was that now through the church the manifold hallelujah his intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms through what no, now read it. One to go. Read it. One to go. Mm-hmm. Now how? Where is the, who is the church? No, who is the church? Where is the church? Mm. Through the church. Say through the church. Say it again. Through the church. Say it again. Through the church. Say through me. 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 Say me, Prince. 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 Mention your name. Me. Okay. Now continue from there. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you know, they continue the reading. Uh huh. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Through the church, the manifold wisdom, the multifaceted wisdom of God should be made known. It's through the church. It's through who? Church. Say me, me, me. The manifold wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is what I'm sharing with you now. The insight. If wisdom there means insight into God. Knowing why God does what he does. And how he does it. And what he has done. Are you getting what I'm saying? He calls that the wisdom of God. The purpose of Christ. The wisdom of God. Just through the church, the wisdom of God will be made known unto the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms. So the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms are learning the wisdom of God from the church. Is that what he's saying here? Can you give me another translation if you have? Maybe that one, any new, any, uh, uh, new Living Translation, ESV, Amplified, maybe one, one again, TP, any translation that can do something. Let me see whether I'll get something out of that. Do you get what I'm saying? So today you demonstrate this wisdom. Then the next day you demonstrate this wisdom. When a teacher teaches a particular subject and change the subject to another one that is more confusing, what happens? The rulers and authorities get confused. So the rulers and authorities that are learning the wisdom of God from us are getting confused on a daily basis. Because today this man of God has taken a sword that it is the sword that will kill demons. This one is a sword that is a sword of victory. Once you, I leave this sword, it's a sword of victory. You don't need to lead. What should I say? To raise a sword that is a sword of victory. No, the name of Jesus has been raised already. For our benefit. Or to raise a sword to kill a demon. When the scripture talks about the sword of the spirit, Paul explains. He says, which is the word of God? He didn't say the sword of the spirit is what you are holding. What you are holding is just a physical object the devil is not afraid of. It's like taking a knife against the devil. You see a demon and say, I'm taking a knife. Malagadosh. You say, when I did it, it produced results. Let us not rejoice over every results. You know what I said? Yes, sir. 
Let us not rejoice over every result. It is true Christians like yourselves gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among the angels. What translation is this one? Message. The message translation. Clap for message. Clap for message. Come on. <laughs> Come on, shout glory. True Christians like yourselves gathered in churches. The extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among the angels. So the angels are talking about the wisdom of God that is at work in you. You see why you are confusing them? So today you take a sword. The next day is a bottle of oil. The next day is a bottle of water. You don't even know what you are doing. What wisdom are you telling them? So the Lord says, ah, this one is like Moses. Oh. Is that not true? <laughs> this one is like Moses. This one doesn't have wisdom. Let's go for somewhere. <laughs> ah, Lagabos. He doesn't have a paw. <laughs> is this not strange and powerful? How does God see us? You just got born again yesterday. How does God see you? <laughs> Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Malagadosh. Magoro Shatakapa. Makoro Siteke. Makoro Siteke. Makura Valigesh. Malegi Shatoko Rakato Zelegesh Magele Zodogosh Zeberedebe Megedegesh Malegedesh Rebelegedesh Malegedegesh 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 Rabaka Sata Shout glory. glory. Who just caught this scripture? Is that not powerful? Take us to Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 11. Is that not powerful? So what are we talking about? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Is that not powerful? Why did I take my time to explain all of these things? Because you see, revelation is progressive. In fact, knowledge itself, ordinary knowledge is even progressive. You hear what I said? Knowledge is progressive. And revelation knowledge or knowledge that is derived from the word of God is also progressive. There's going to be a time we may not be holding the microphone like this. You wouldn't even need a lapel. Even now, the kind of lapel that has come, you just put something small, it's just like a dot in your ear, you'll be talking. Because knowledge is progressive. There was a time you have to go to the phone booth. How many of you remember phone booth and, and those cards? And sometimes you have to go to your friend's house to go and make a call or receive a call. But now you can buy a yam. True or false? Because knowledge is what? It's progressive. 
In the same way, the knowledge of God's word is also progressive. We call that revelational knowledge. Revelation knowledge. If sense knowledge is progressive, what do you think will happen to uh, spiritual knowledge or revelation knowledge? It's more progressive. And because knowledge is progressive, first of all, we must make sure that we don't misinterpret the, the, inter, interpret the scriptures and go into errors. But we also make sure that we don't also stay at one level of revelation until Jesus comes. Because that means that if Jesus comes, we have to teach you again. Teach you more of what you didn't know. That will be teaching your spirit, spirit to spirit. <laughs> Is that not true? I mean, spirit to spirit, body to body, soul to soul. <laughs> Come on, shout glory. glory. So it's progressive. It's progressive. There are things that were taught years ago that still makes meaning. But when you study it, you cannot have a full truth or the full truth of what God wants you to have. You can only have the fullness of blessings or experience the fullness of blessings when you are having the full truth of the gospel. Write it down. Why do I say that? There is the fullness of the blessings. We'll talk about blessings later on. The fullness of the blessings of the gospel. Write it down. You can only have the fullness or experience the fullness of the blessings of the gospel when you are walking in the full truth of God's word. You can only experience, access, have. The fullness of the blessings of the gospel. 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 When you are walking in the full truth of God's word. It's very important. You can walk in certain blessings, but not in the fullness of the blessings. Even as a minister, you can be so rich and yet get stroke. You've been rich for 20 years, 30 years doing things, yet you've gotten stroke and you're there. Or you just collapse one day, that is all. That's not the fullness of the blessings. So you can be so wealthy and not healthy. It's not the fullness of the blessings. You know what I said? You can be so wealthy, not have any joy in your life. I don't have any joy for me. I'm not even happy in life. <laughs> there are a lot of things to talk about the blessing. But what is important is that if you want to experience the fullness of God's blessings, then you should move from partial truths and semi-semi uh, truths. Say semi-semi truths. I said what? Some kind of partial, partial truths. Here, truth here, tomorrow, truth there. The next day, truth here. You believe in bloodline pattern. You read it somewhere in Ezekiel. Then you also believe that uh, once you are born again, no blood. You're, you are in a semi-semi-truth level. Did you get what I said? You read that point where your experience doesn't teach you Christianity. <laughs> I said what? What teaches you Christianity is the scriptures, the truth. <laughs> is this not powerful today? 
I said, is this not powerful today? When I finish teaching you like this, you should sow a seed though. What do you guys think? Because what I'm giving you, eh? If you take it with you like this, and you take it serious, even your generations, the hundreds of generations will still walk in blessings. Not many Christians hear these truths. Sunday like this, they will dance till their shoe gets spot. <laughs> I really agree with what I'm saying. Pastor, but do you agree with that? I agree, sir. Then they go home. When they don't dance, they say, ah, another young cross of you. Is that not powerful? Wait, you see, today I've not gone to the Ephesians. Maybe the Holy Ghost wants me to teach this, and I'll close. Go to Second John, Second Epistle of Saint John. Are you looking for Second John? Is that not powerful? Ocratia Sefo. Go to verse 4. Okay, let's start from here. Let's start even from verse 1. The elder unto the elect lady and her children. Can you go to King James for me before we come here? Is this message? King James. Okay, the elder unto the elect lady and her children. Whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all they that have known the truth. Did you see that? All they that have done what? Known the truth. Verse 2. For the truth's sake, which dwelleth in us, and shall be with us forever. It's talking about truth. Dwelling with you, and staying with you forever. Not experience. In the midst of a demon pressing your neck, the truth will prevail. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. Not your experience. Where your, ex your truth prevails over every experience, positive or negative. Who heard what I said there? Now continue. Verse 3. Grace be with you. Mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. Go to verse 4. I want the verse 4. It says, I rejoiced greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth. Walking in what? As we have received a commandment from the Father. I rejoiced greatly. That's the apostle. It says, I rejoiced greatly that I found thy children walking in truth. Oh. Shout glory to that one. Glory. Is that not powerful? Is that not powerful? Is that not powerful? So it's important that we walk in the fullness of truths. Not semi-semi. Say not semi-semi. Full truths of the scriptures. That is why we are preaching and we are teaching all of these things to you. Why am I saying all of this? Take us to Ephesians chapter 2. Do I have some small time? I'm sure I have some small time. Oh, Kalaba Asoto Olika Alagadosh Levego Shabaradosh. Verse 
Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 11. We already dealt with from verse 1. Two or false. You see. Understand the concept of salvation. It's very important. Understand the concept of salvation. Understand it. If you miss is it two weeks or three weeks or four weeks, you can go and look for it. The grace of God, I explained a little bit on salvation. I have a special message on salvation. Amen. 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 Why do I say that? Because I'm talking about, I'm going somewhere. Say, go, 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 go. He paid the debt we did not owe. Who, who can sing it for me? One person who want to sing it for me. I needed someone. Savila, will you sing it for me? Oh, you don't know the words. Give it to the stage. I'm to sing it for me. Anyone? Malagadosh. Why? Okay, chief, chief, chief voice tra- trainer, Pastor Bedu sing. Okay, sing and let me sing. <laughs> Everybody, it looks like everyone is opening their mouths. What is about to happen today? <laughs> he paid the debt mm-hmm. he did not owe. I owed the debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. Now I can sing Even not sing, just a help him, please. Song, amazing, amazing grace. Lord Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. Sing it again. He paid the debt he did not owe. I owe the debt I could not pay. I needed someone. To wash my sins away. Now I can sing a brand new song. Amazing grace. Lord Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. Shout glory. glory. I'll come to that song right now. Wherefore remember that ye been in time past. Gentiles in the flesh who are called on circumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. Uh-huh. That at the time, or that at that time, ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers. Now, I talked about Paul's writing, two of us. Now, look at the way he's writing in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. He's writing to the efficient church. But he's making them know how the situation was in the Old Covenant. In the Old Testament. So he's telling, go back to verse, verse 11 and it's okay. Why did I make you raise that song? Because at a particular level, that song makes meaning and communicates. On a higher level, that song doesn't communicate. Even though it's a very powerful song. It's a very good song. You can sing it. This one day you can sing. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. But on a particular level, it makes meaning. On another level, it wouldn't make much meaning. Based on what I want to explain in Ephesians chapter 2 here. 
Who are what I just said there? So this wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh. Now he's talking to the Ephesian church. Then says that the Ephesian church in time past they were Gentiles in the flesh, and they were called uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision in the flesh. Now all this English is saying is very simple. What he's trying to say is this. That's what Paul is writing to the, to the church. By trying to explain to them what was happening in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, there were those that we refer to as the Jews. And these Jews had a covenant with God. These Jews are the generation of Abraham. After biological order. After the, the, the Bible, the, new, the King James calls that after the flesh. But in newer translation, it says after a biological order. That means that from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob and all that. Now, it was Jacob's name that was changed to Israel. Now, are you here? When Jacob had an encounter with God, with an angel of the Lord, who is also God, and he changed his name. When he said, bless me, if you do not bless me, I will not let you go. That was what Jacob told the angel. And then the angel, the angel changed his name. He says, you will no longer be called Jacob. But you will be called Israel. For as a prince, thou hast wrestled with God and you have prevailed. So by that encounter, his name was changed. I said it's different between an encounter and an experience. An encounter is for the Old Testament man. An experience is for the New Testament man. No. The New Testament doesn't, person, the Christian doesn't have an encounter. Because we've already encountered God in the Holy Ghost. As we sit down here, we are, we, we, we are in that encounter. Hallelujah. You know what I said? Yes, so if you have the Holy Ghost living in you, you have an encounter. You've already encountered Jesus Christ. Through the Holy Ghost. You have him. It's not like Jesus will go. Then one day you see him. Then the next day you see him again. You are trying to have an encounter. No. You've already, you already have an encounter. That's what it means when you are born again. You've encountered Jesus. And it's, you've made him the Lord of your life. And he's living in your spirit now. As his temple. The Holy Ghost is in you. Hallelujah. Every experience you get from the Holy Ghost. Is a spiritual experience. But Jacob did not, was not like us. Was Jacob like us? No, yes. So because of that, what he had is called a visitation or an encounter. And then when that happened, his name was changed. And I talked about the encounters because many Christians are seeking encounters. And, and celebrating encounters. Do you understand what I'm saying? You don't need to, uh, 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 what do you call it, seek encounter or seek an experience. Seek the word of God. Hallelujah. Put the word to work. Yes, do you hear what I said? Yes, Put the word to work. Study the word. Put it to work. Is that glorious? Yes, Is that glorious? Yes, so, Jacob's name was changed by that encounter to Israel. 
out of that generation, Jacob's generation, Joseph went to become a prisoner in Egypt. Then, through the operations of the Spirit, he became a prime minister when he interpreted the vision. How many of you know about that story? How many of you know about that story? If you know, let me see. So he became a prime minister in Egypt. That is Joseph. After that, that generation died. The scripture says, another Pharaoh rose up who did not know about the first Pharaoh and his dealings with Joseph. Because Joseph was not an Egyptian. He was taken to be a prisoner. And by his interpretation of the, the vision of the king, he was made a prime minister. So another pharaoh arose who knew nothing about Kwame Nkrumah. Do you get what I'm saying? And started dealing with the Israelites. Joseph's descendants that were in Egypt. Until they were delivered. Now God had a covenant with the Israelites through Moses. Those people are referred to as the Jews. Or what modern day we call the nation of Israel. Do you hear what I just said? The nation of Israel. But the Bible refers to them as Jews or Israelites. Now in those days where God had a covenant with the Israelites and had chosen them as his people among all the other nations that were on this earth. Don't ever forget, it wasn't only Israelites that were on this earth. There were other nations that were on this earth. The difference is that the nations that were on this earth were not friends of God. They had no covenant with God. They had no dealings with Jehovah. But rather, they had their own dealings with their own gods. So God regarded all of those nations as his enemies. And for that matter, the enemies of the Israelites. And regarded the Israelites as his people. Through a covenant that he had established with their forefather Abraham. So you see people even still pray that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is because of that. That covenant. There are even ministers who still pray like that. Even though that is wrong. But they still pray like that. Because taking it from the Old Testament, God had a covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. You hear what I just said there? If you caught what I said, child glory there. Glory. Is that not true? So Paul is now telling the Ephesian church, like we are here, we are the Ephesian church, or we are the World Changes church. Then he says, Wherefore, remember that in the time past you were Gentiles in the flesh, you who are called uncircumcision, by those who call themselves circumcision in the flesh, made by hands. Why? Because the Jews, the covenant, the strength of that covenant was in them circumcising themselves, their male bonds. 
That was the covenant. Every Gentile or everyone who, did, who was not a Jew did not have to do that because they had no covenant with God. So the laws that Moses brought, the laws were not given to the Gentiles. The laws were given to the Jews, the Israelites. They were God's people. God had made laws for them. And their prophet Moses brought the laws to them. But any other nation that was not an Israel nation or a Jew, any other person that was not a Jewish or an Israelite was regarded as a Gentile. Who called that short explanation I just gave? The Gentiles. Those people did not have to circumcise their male bones because they had no covenant with God. So in the mind of God in those days, they were strangers of God. It is that, that is what Paul is trying to explain here when he says, Wherefore, remember that ye been in time past Gentiles in the flesh. So, we have the Israelites, when you read throughout the Old Testament, you see the Israelites fighting with other nations. Because those nations were enemies of God. They had no covenant with God. So we had the Philistines. Where Goliath was from. The Philistines. We have the what? Amorites. Amalekites. A lot of nations. Other nations. Apart from the nation of Israel. All those nations were all regarded in the sight of God as Gentiles and uncircumcised. Who caught what I just said there? Then the Jews were regarded in the sight of God as what? The covenant people of God, the children of God, by covenant, and the circumcised, or the children of circumcision. If you call that child glory. I said, if you call that child glory. glory. So you can just write a small note on that. That all those who were not Jews in the Old Testament were regarded as uncircumcised and enemies of God. The only people that were God's people were the Israelites, the Jews, from Jacob, tracing to Abraham. It's not simple. <laughs> alagadosh, alagadosh, alagadosh. Who has written that down? So all the nations that were not Israelites, that all the nations apart from the Israelites or the Jews were all enemies of God. You can write that down as a note. Example, the Philistines. Example, the Philistines. The Amorites. A-M-O-R-I-T-E-S. And all that. Philistines is very simple because we all know the story of David and Goliath. Is that not true? Goliath was a Philistine. An enemy. So you see, Goliath was cursing the people of Israel with his God. When you read the story, he was cursing them. Then David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? How you have seen that? I have heard it before. Oh, uh, the way you are saying, oh, yes, it looks like you've not been reading the Bible. Is that true? Sister Ben, have you seen that before? You don't know about David and Goliath's story. You, you know about that. <laughs> but you don't know David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistines? You don't know he said it. That's what is making the work difficult. <laughs> so you must sow extra seed for that. <laughs> Come on, shout. 
us our glory. I look for that scripture for me right now. You are taking me back. <laughs> Is that not true? In the book of Samuel, I think. First Samuel. <laughs> look for it right now for me. Let, let her read it right now so that you know what you're talking about. So, David said, Who is this uncircumcised Philistines that is defying the armies of the living God? Because whenever Goliath showed up, he would curse the people of Israel with his God. And he said, Bring somebody who can fight me. All of you dogs, can you fight me? And was cursing the people of Israel until David showed up at the age of 17, young boy, understanding the, with, a, with an understanding of the covenant. With an understanding of what? That's what made the difference. The covenant. And with the spirit of the Lord on him, David. So he says, And David spoke to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine? He was referring to Goliath. Or Goliath, whatever you say. That's not a, 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 a consensus true. And taketh away the reproach from Israel. to the nation of Israel coming to battle with the Philistines. The Philistines in the New Testament are referred to as the Gentiles. The Israelites are the Jews. The Philistines are referred to as the uncircumcised. Why? Because they had no covenant of circumcision with any God. Apart from their own smaller gods or whatever gods they had. But the Israelites had Jehovah. Amen. Amen. Who caught what I just said there? Because then David spoke to the men that uh, and take it away the reproach from Israel. Then David said, For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Was it David who said that? Why was David calling the Philistine an uncircumcised Philistine? Because in the mind of the Jew, all those who were Jews, they knew that every nation apart from them were enemies of God, had no covenant with God, did not need to circumcise their males and all of that. David knew even at age 17. It, is, it was what David knew that he used in defeating Goliath. It's very important. David knew. We should know more. Two or false. That's why I'm explaining this. Now take us back. Now, Sister Ben, have you seen that there? First Samuel chapter 17, verse 26. Now take us back to Ephesians. Is that not very simple? Maybe I'll, some of you will give you assignments to be reading certain scriptures now. Can we go back there? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11, quickly, so that I can just finish the next few minutes what I want to say. Is that not powerful? I hope you are enjoying what I'm teaching right now. So says, wherefore, remember that, so this is Paul speaking. Ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision, by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. Verse 12. That at that time, he's taking us back. Paul is taking us where? Paul is taking us where? To the Old Testament. And he's writing to the Ephesian church. So that they will know this. Why should they know? We'll come to that. That at that time, you were without Christ. 
being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. He's still talking about, he's describing the Gentiles, those nations that were not Jews. So you can write Ephesians 2.12. He is describing the Gentiles. I'm teaching you how to write notes. Else you watch me like you're watching a Chinese movie and go home. Go and eat water and the water will fall on the message and that is all. I don't even know that the scripture says when water falls on the message, that is all. You've not seen it in the Bible before. You've not seen it before. I'll show you that also. He <laughs> says the, the children did what? They ate. Can I show you that on the scripture? Oh, go to First Corinthians chapter ten. Let me show you that. Maybe I have to show you scriptures. The children. <laughs> I like I know. Look for that scripture. First Corinthians chapter ten. Give give me the verse because I don't want us to go to. Amen. But it says once you eat what you on the message you hear, shim the message will disappear. So you must write down notes so that when the message is about to disappear, you go back to your notes and bring it back. Is that not true? Go to first Corinthians chapter, take us to first Corinthians chapter and look for that. The children goes up to play, to eat, and something, something like that. Just look for that scripture. Is that not powerful? But it says that at that time, you were without Christ. When you get, just let me know. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, is referring to the Gentiles, and strangers from the from the from the covenant of promise. He's still referring to the Gentiles. Having no hope. The Gentiles. So you see that when Joshua, for instance, I'm giving you, I've given you David and Goliath, is that true? When Joshua and the Israelites came to Jericho, is it there? Neither be ye idolaters as were some, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. They watched it disappear. They ate, they drank, and they played. They left everything aside. Do you see the watching now working here? Yes, sir. Another scripture also says that the sower went to sow a seed, and some fell by the wayside. So when it fell by the wayside like this, it says it's like somebody who received the word of God and is happy. Hey, hey, hey today Papa has, show, has shown us some revelation. Hey, he talked about blessing. It's as he's going and he's rejoicing. The scripture says that the curse of this life and all of that, when they came in, they choked that word. Another one says that the enemy came and took the word quietly. Took the word quietly. That is the watch when the enemy comes, it's watch day. Come on, shout glory. glory. Take us to Ephesians. You've seen that scripture here. So once we close and you go home, hey, Ghana's most beautiful broadcast. By the time it's Monday, you've forgotten all of this. True or false? Ganesh was beautiful has become your watcher that day. So, that at that time, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. He's talking about the Gentiles. Why am I explaining? I want you to be able to differentiate between the Gentiles and the Jews. Amen. So the Gentiles are described like this. They were aliens. What's an alien? Who is an alien? A stranger. A foreigner. 
from the commonwealth of Israel, from the family of Israel. For instance, I mentioned the case here about Joshua, the Israelites, and Jericho. When they reached Jericho, what happened? The walls fell down, two or four. Why did God decide to destroy all of those people? The nations that Israel ever encountered. Why? Because in the mind of God, at that particular time, or in that particular dispensation, the only people who were his children, or he had, who, who belonged to him and he had a covenant with, were Israelites. So he dealt with every nation as enemies. If you become an enemy of an Israelite, you have become an enemy of God. In the Old Testament. And they had no hope. They were burning incense to gods and trees and all of that. They knew nothing about the God of Israel, Jehovah. They knew nothing. So Paul is explaining the Gentiles, the Jews. So he says that ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Verse 13. But now, in Christ Jesus, I remember that lady, the harlot, what was her name? She said that, Rehab, she said that when all the kings, when our king and even all the king, other kings hear of you, says their hearts begin to burn. Their hearts. There is fear that falls on them because the nation of Israel was coming. When the other king saw that the nation of Israel was so powerful that for them to handle the other king, Balak by name, he went to look for a prophet, Balaam. He says, come and curse these people. Why? Because his nation was an enemy to God. So every nation that the Israelites ever met, God made sure that they defeated them unless the Israelites went against the, the ordinance of God. Because God regarded all nations in the Old Testament as his enemy. Who heard what I just said there? And let me explain them. That says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. So he's saying that the Gentiles now have been brought into Christ. Now continue. They were afar off. He says they were afar off. Afar off means what? Afar off. For he is our peace. He's talking about Jesus. He says Jesus is our peace who has made both one. This is so powerful. Can I explain this one? And has broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Go to verse 15. We'll come back to verse 13, 14, 15. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make him in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. Take us to verse 13 again. Let me kill this one. Say, kill it, sir, before we close. I want to kill this one. So that there's not grace from the angle. I'm, I'm teaching it. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off have been brought near. That's what he's saying. By the blood of Christ. The Gentiles have been brought. Now go back. Go to verse 14. For he is our peace. Who has made both one. Both one. Why did he say both one? He has made. He says Jesus has made both one. Now what he's saying is this. 
Jesus has made the Gentile and the Jews one. And Jesus has broken down the middle wall of partition. What was the middle wall of partition? The laws. How many of you remember the Ten Commandments? So the laws were given by Moses to only the Jews. So what, what he's saying is that Jesus has broken down that middle wall of partition. What made the Jews different from the Gentiles? He has removed it from the way. And has brought the Gentile and the Jews together. But it is not only that. He has broken down the middle wall of partition. And he has made both the Jew and the Gentile one. Continue to verse 15. Oh, having abolished in his flesh. So, when Jesus was on the cross, on the cross also, he was breaking down the middle wall of partition. That means that even though he was on the cross, he was also abolishing the law of Moses. So, the Seventh-day Adventists don't understand when say the laws have been abolished. They say, no, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, and see all kinds of things. By the time they go to heaven, we have to teach him the New Testament well. Do you know what I'm saying? He has abolished the law of commandments in his flesh. That is the law of Moses. That is why I said we don't stone an adulterous woman this time. Do we stone? Because Jesus has abolished the law. It was a law in the Old Testament that was given. That is why we don't stone a witch. Do we stone a witch this time? I said what? I know many pastors say Suffer not a way to live. Suffer not a way to live. In the Old Testament, the law that was given was not pray for a witch to die. The law was don't allow a witch, a sorcerer, or somebody who practices black magic to live. That was the law that God gave to the Israelites. So if anyone within the jurisdiction of Israel was practicing sorcery or was a magician or was what a native doctor and was caught they catch you like this they take you to where, where this wall is then they call others and then they pick up stones then they stone you to death that is why the scriptures say suffer not a witch to live so witches were killed by stoning did you hear what i said you should understand that so that you know how to interpret that scripture very well. But you see, Jesus had destroyed. That's why today when we see all these native doctors, even on TV, making announcements, two of us. Have you ever seen that we've gone there, the church, then with our uh, pope or archbishop, whoever is leading. Then we go and cast that juju man and stone the person. Can you do that now? Because Jesus has abolished that law. All those laws. That's what he's saying. Contained the law of commandments contained in ordinances. And then what he has done says to make in himself one new man. So making peace. Shout glory. glory. The one new man he talks about there is it means that Jesus has brought the Jews and the Gentiles together in his flesh. And has destroyed that enmity that was between the Jew and the Gentile. And now 
has created out of that union one new man. It is that new man that we refer to as the church. So when Jesus died and went to hell, on the cross, he was dealing with the Gentiles. He was also dealing with the Jews. Don't ever forget that. How was he dealing with the Gentile? He was on the cross as a sacrifice for the sin of the whole world, including the Gentile. All those who were enemies of God. Then he was also on the cross dealing with the sins of the Jews. Did you hear what I said? Because the sins of the Jews were such that they were using animals, the sacrifice of animals to cover their sin. It is called the atonement of sins. So Jesus had to wash away all the sins of the Old Testament and also deal with the sin of the Gentile. Is this not powerful? And went to hell and also destroyed the covenant, the law of commandments because he was going to give a new commandment. Jesus said, the new commandment have, have I given unto you. That commandment is the commandment of love. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. If you heard that, child glory. glory. So after dealing with the sins of the Gentiles and dealing with the sins of the Jews, the blood was doing all in one sacrifice. That's what the Bible says. Jesus has sacrificed once and for all. He wouldn't come to sacrifice again. In that sacrifice, the Gentiles were inclusive. The Jews were inclusive. Their law broken. And then he went to hell. When he was being raised back to life from hell, he wasn't being raised as a Jew or as a Gentile. He was being raised as a new man. You didn't hear that. I shouted the glory to that. Glory. That new man was the new human spirit that Jesus was born again with from hell. I've said it because Jesus was born the first person to be born again. We are not the first to be born again. We are born again because he was the first to be born again. He is the first fruit. You know what I said? He is the first. So when we believe in him, then the experience he had when he was being born again from hell, we have that same experience in our spirit now. So you say, I'm born again. Say, I'm born again. My spirit is just like the spirit of Jesus. So he's the first to be raised from the dead. Come on, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Who caught that? That person who was raised from the dead, or he was raised back to life, or he was, who was born again. Last two weeks, I think I explained that in Hebrews chapter 1. When it says, Thou art my beloved son, this day have I begotten thee, and shall be to me a father, and I shall be to you a son. Hebrews chapter 1, somewhere from verse 4, 5. You see there. That, that was a prophetic utterance concerning the new birth of Jesus. So Jesus was the first to be born again. Say it after me. Say Jesus, Jesus was, the was the first to be born again. Be born. He was born as a new man. Say it. He was born as a new man. So that all those who believe in Jesus are made new like him. 
Did you hear what I said? So in the mind of God, when he looks at you sitting down, he doesn't see a gentile or a Jew. Or somebody who was a gentile or who was a Jew. No. Why? Because the aspect of being a gentile and a Jew was dealt with on the cross through hell. From the cross to hell. Then the resurrection of the new man who knows nothing about being a gentile or a Jew came up. That is what we refer to as the new man. When you are born again, your mind is not saved. But your spirit is made new. Your spirit is just made like Jesus, this new man. So many people without understanding think that I am the same person who just got the difference that I just came to church and confessed the Lordship. No. That's why I'm teaching you some of this is so that you change your mind and your thinking. I am a new man. I said it last week. I said when a person is born, he is not born with a past. Have you ever given birth to a baby and say the baby has a past in, in Netherlands? No. So for instance, in, that's what I talk about, full truth now. When the Bible says we have passed from death to life, on a particular level, on a shallow level, it is we have passed from death to life. But when you dig deeper, that's what we call wisdom. Wisdom actually means or spiritual wisdom, what it talks about in the New Testament, actually means insight. Insight means that we give you a bag. You don't know what is in the bag, but you are holding the bag. True or false? Can you see the bag? Yes. Are you holding it? Yes. But there is something in the bag you don't know. It's just heavy. If we should ask you what is in the bag, you say, I don't know. But who gave it to you? It's Pastor Fair. Okay. Insight means that you are opening the zip and you are looking inside to see whether it is dollars, it is laptop, or it is a mobile phone. Once you open it and you look inside, it's called insight. <laughs> it means seeing into. I said what? Hmm. That is what it calls spiritual wisdom. Many people teach it as a mental thing. It's not mental. It's a mental wisdom. It's different from when Ephesians chapter 1 talks about it. Verse 17, 15, 16, 17. Insight. Now, we says we have passed, for we have passed from death to life. Now, insight, or the spirit of wisdom now grants you access. A person cannot pass from death to life except through birth. This is what I said again. I said what? Because when John says, we have passed from death to life, he's talking about we have passed from spiritual death unto spiritual life. But the distance between spiritual death and spiritual life is spiritual birth. That means that you must be born again. Before we say you have passed from death to life, you must be born again. But when you are born again, that's what the man said, Jesus told the man, he says, you must be born. He didn't say you should be born again. You must be born again. Because being born again is a must. It's what? But when you are born again, it says you have passed from death to life. What that means is that you have been born spiritually. You are a spiritual baby. You are a spiritual infant. P 
Peter says, as newborn babies, desire the sincere milk of the word. Why? Because that person is a baby. A baby cannot be connected to a past. So in reality, it is not you that have passed from death to life. That is what insight gives. <laughs> that is that for today. You get tired. Come on, shout glory. Is that not powerful? So when he says, he came from heaven to earth. Oh, what's that? What's the song? To show the way. That's a powerful song. But I've said he didn't come to show the way. He came to be the way. Jesus is the way, not showing the way. Showing means that, can you show me where Adenta is? I say, okay, go here. Jesus is not showing us the way. He is the way. So he came from heaven to earth to be the way. It's very simple. Now take us to your song again. Let me explain something there. He paid the debt. He did not owe. I owe the debt. At a normal level of grace, where grace, the understanding of grace is not, has not been made progressive, that is a powerful song. But when you understand these things that Paul spoke about concerning birth, and even Peter, concerning birth, spiritual birth, you would know that you didn't owe a debt. The Christian does not owe a debt. I said what? The for Jesus to pay the debt for him. In fact, in reality, let me explain something. Jesus was sent to the world. When Jesus was coming, come, baby. Or let Sammy come. Sammy come. Is that not powerful? When Jesus was coming into the world, I said that, remove your nose mask. I said that what is what? Grace is the outworkings of God. Through the expression, that's the grace of our Lord Jesus, through the expression of his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus for the consummation of God's purpose. Now, when Jesus was coming or was being born and to start his work, God saw in Jesus all of us sitting down here. God saw in Jesus. He saw the world. But when Jesus was coming, this new man was in Jesus, yet to be birthed out by resurrection. When Jesus was coming. That is why Jesus is the first, the Bible refers to him as the second Adam, or the second man. I said the second word. Then Adam is referred to as the first man. The first Adam. Jesus is the second Adam. Why does the scripture distinguish between the two like that? Does that in the writings of Paul, you see him bringing all together, even the John epistles and all that, says you have passed from death to life. It's all together. But at the point in time where Paul is trying to explain this, that he talks about the first man who was made a living soul. He talks about the second man who was made a quickening spirit to distinguish between the two men and the kind of lineage we follow as a church or as the church of Jesus Christ. So in reality, I don't have time to go into all of this. You can see this in Galatians or Galatians chapter 3. When it says that, and he said not unto seeds as of many, but as unto seed as of one. Come on, shout glory. glory. You can sit down, Jesus Christ. You can sit down. 
Who caught what I just said there? And let me say this one last before I close. Now, take us to John. Maybe I want to just explain further this once more. One new man. Say one new man. Take us to John chapter 12. Take us to John chapter 12. So, you see, you see, the Jew, the Gentile, the enmity broken. Then you see out of the two. So it is like this. It's like a porter takes a Jew. Are you following what I'm saying? And a Gentile. And brings them together. And mix them together. And bring out of the two that he mixed together a new man. Can I give you that picture again? Uh, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Are you here? 